With an angry fan base calling for change, the clubhouse leaders come to the defense of manager Ali Marmol. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor. Born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. You can also follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. Want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on YouTube as well. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. That way you can interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode being brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay. Guaranteed fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Uh, first, I want to uh, apologize for this coming out so late today on a Friday. I had a whole bunch of work stuff to do today, so I'm really sorry this one is uh, coming out a little bit late. But we kind of got lucky that, that it came out late today because we have some kind of breaking news here. Let's start with the news that the Cardinals have made a deal with the Cleveland Guardians. Not exactly a major deal. Uh, it's not for Shane Bieber. It's not for Jose Ramirez or any of the other guys you may have heard of that is actually on their roster. Instead, it's for minor league utility man Richie Palacios, who was DFA'd by the Guardians on June 11th. 26 years old, third-round draft pick in 2018, ranked as high as the Guardians' 24th best prospect at one point. Uh, made his major league debut last year, appeared in 54 games was hitting a cool 217 at AAA this year. They traded cash considerations for him. And to make room for him on the 40-man roster, they've transferred Tyler O'Neill to the 60-day IL. But Katie Wu from The Athletics says that shouldn't impact his timetable of returning whenever that's going to be because we still have no idea uh, when Tyler O'Neill is set to return to this team. Uh, the Cardinals are still 15 games under 500 despite this massive trade and uh, they have the worst record in the national league and the third worst record in all of baseball. And it's embarrassing that a team that features guys like, uh, you know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, veterans, Wilson Contreras, Adam Wainwright, uh, Miles Michaelis, Tommy Edmond. I could go on and on that this team has underperformed as much as it has. And normally when you see a team underperforming, the immediate blame doesn't go to the players. And it usually doesn't get aimed directly at ownership or the front office. It usually instead falls on the shoulders of the manager. Like, and it, not just in baseball, in any sport. If you've ever noticed it, when things aren't going right, it's the head coach or the manager that gets fired first, right? For whatever reason, the manager is the one who, who takes all the heat. And I've never totally understood this. I know that there's certain situations where it absolutely was the head coach or the manager's fault, but I always felt the burden of a bad season should be more on the general manager and those guys in the front office who built the darn team in the first place. You know, the manager didn't build the team. He doesn't control payroll or make decisions on free agents or trades. Now he does provide input, 
for those situations, but he doesn't get to make the call. And in some sports, you have it where it's a head coach is also a GM, you know, coming to mind, I think about New England, Bill Belichick and how he runs things there, but not very often, not very often is the, is the head coach also the guy calling the shots in the front office. And I also feel that more blame should be placed on the players in these types of situations because it's not the manager who's out there kicking ground balls around or misjudging fly balls or taking poor at bats in key situations or flailing at pitches outside of the strike zone. Um, He's not the one as a pitcher missing his spots. The physical side of the game is pretty much out of his hands. You know, you, you can hit as many ground balls and fly balls and go over things with the players. You can do that all day, but they're the ones who have to perform on the field, right? The manager is, he's given a team. It's his job to put that team in the best position to win with those players. That's his job. And when managers fail to do that, you know, then it's on them. I, I've criticized Ali's different lineups throughout the year. You know, I, why it takes so long for him to switch people out who are clearly struggling. Like Wilson Contreras is in this massive slump and he will not move him down in the lineup. He just hasn't done it, which I'll, you know, I take issue with. I don't understand that. It's also on the manager. It's his job to be a leader on this team, to provide guidance, to almost be like a father figure in some ways, because he's got to be someone that the players aren't afraid to turn to, that they can trust and believe in, that he'll be making the right decisions day in and day out to get the very best out of each and every player. It's a little more weird because Ali is younger than some of the guys on the team, but that that's part of the that's part of the gig. And so far this season, I think we can all agree that this team has looked a bit uninspired, to put it nicely, out there on the field. And I realize that that losing will have that effect on you. You know, none of these guys are are terminators. I just watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger special on Netflix and it goes over, you know, him being mechanical and robotic and that was a key to him and the terminator role. None of the guys who they're they're in real life are like that, you know? They're not machines, you know? They're not going to play without emotion. So when things aren't going well, it's clearly going to influence their body language out there on the field. And we've seen it and you saw all sides of it on Wednesday. They fall behind early. Things look bleak, not much chatter, not a lot of enthusiasm going on. And then Tommy Edmond, like a bolt of lightning hits the grand slam. All of a sudden the team's up. They're all jumping around. The crowd comes back to life. Finally, something good is happening for this team. They caught a break. And then in the ninth inning, the walk happens. Everybody kind of tenses up and clenches up, if you will. And then the game-tying home run goes down, and everybody's heads go like this. They just drop. Guys are in shock. They're just staring off into oblivion like, what what just happened again? And that carries over into the 10th inning where they show no life whatsoever and end up losing the game 8-5. to This team has not gotten the very best out of each and every player on a daily basis. And although there are some outliers, you know, if you look at stats, some of the guys on this team are having decent seasons. Nolan Arnato is fourth in home runs and third in RBIs among all third basemen. Paul Goldschmidt, not posting MVP numbers like he did last year, but tied for fifth in home runs, fifth in OBP, fifth in slugging, fifth in OPS among all first basemen. 
Nolan Gorman having this breakout year. He's tied for seventh in all of baseball in home runs and tied for eighth in all of baseball in RBIs. But despite those numbers, it's the little things, the fundamentals that a normal Cardinals team excels at that they've been suffering with all year. You know, the defense has taken a major step back from what it has normally been. The base running mistakes, uh, inconsistent at bats in key situations, stuff like that. You know, the defense is obviously a glaring issue because for years, the Cardinals and Cardinals fans, we've all been very spoiled with what we've seen on the field defensively. Just gold glovers all over the place all the time, right? And normally the team prides itself on stellar defense, and it's just not there this year. And I know your starting outfielders are hurt. I get that. They've been hurt a lot. But in defensive runs saved, the Cardinals as a whole are minus 24, which is third worst in the league. The only spot they aren't a negative at is at shortstop, where they're an even zero, and first base, where they're a plus three. They're minus seven in second, minus seven in left field, minus four in center field, and minus eight in right field. So all of these reasons combined is why there's a lot of heat on manager Ali Marmol and this coaching staff right now, and it's well-deserved. You know, they shouldn't expect to get a, a free pass for any of this. And now, because of the situation getting as bad as it is, some of the key veteran players on this team decided to, to step up and say something about it and are taking accountability for their failures and, and sticking up for their manager. Reigning NL MVP Paul Goldschmidt, quoted by Ben Fredrickson at stltoday.com, says... His confidence in Marmol's leadership is as high as it's ever been. Saying it's pretty simple. We have to play better. We haven't played good enough to win. And that's why we're losing games. You can't blame the coaching staff when we don't perform. We are the ones out there playing. We have not performed as good as we need to. We have not played better than the teams we are playing against. It hasn't been good enough. And they have beaten us. We are the ones out there playing. And we haven't done a good enough job. Fair enough. Fair enough. Nolan Arnato speaks up as well, saying our coaches, they work their asses off. They are prepared. They make sure we are prepared. We just don't execute. That's just what it comes down to. We don't execute. I can see why that's a topic because it's easy to blame them. Easy to blame them. I can't think of a coaching staff that tries to get us more prepared. All of them. They work their butts off, and we just don't execute. I think it's the players. You can pinpoint the coaches all you want, but it's the players. It's us as a group. We don't execute. That's why you were seeing us fail and us play really bad baseball because we don't execute everybody, including myself. I've been terrible with runners in scoring position. I have not been consistent on either side of the ball. It's the players. We don't execute at all. And he ain't lying. <laughs> you know, he's been atrocious like most of the team with runners in scoring position this year. And his defense has not been what we're used to. You know, we're used to seeing Mr. Platinum Glove over there at third base. And I remember Ethan Smith from Locked on Pirates giving me a hard time earlier this year about how Key Brian Hayes is going to take the gold glove from Arnado this year. And I laughed at him. I was like, stop it. Stop it. His time will come, but we're not ready yet. His time might be here. <laughs> uh, Adam Wainwright also speaks up saying, unfortunately, we are not holding up our end of the bargain. Marmel is pushing us. He's challenging us. He's positive when he needs to be, but he's also telling us that this is not acceptable. What more can a manager do? This is on the players. This is not on the coaches and the manager. 
So there you have three of the biggest, if not the biggest voices in the clubhouse sticking up for Ali. And I'm glad to see it. I'm glad there's a camaraderie there. But something still isn't right. You know, something is leading to the bad baseball we're seeing on the field. Now, once again, and I've said it repeatedly, I do not think that Ali Marmel's job is at stake right now. I don't think it's on the line at all. I think he's going to weather this storm. I think he's going to make it through the end of the year. And for all of you who continue to beat the drum for firing him, I think you're going to be disappointed because I don't think it's going to happen. Especially when you hear this, you know, you hear this from some of your best players. If you were to hear a a totally different side to this, where they're like, you know, I just, it's hard to believe in things. He's if you heard those kind of things coming out of their mouths, then I could see a change, but that's not what we're hearing. We're not hearing it from the players and we're not hearing it from Mo. And my biggest issue with all of this is I, I, I don't see any signs of the team getting better outside of that two week stretch in May, where they played very, very well. And I don't know what changes you can make at this point that will motivate them to get their head out of their butts and play better. If that's all it takes, they just need to play better. I don't know what it's going to take to spark that. If you aren't firing the manager, which is not what I'm saying should happen, but if you are eliminating that as an option, if that's off the table, what are you going to do? You're either going to make trades that shake up this roster trade deadline is still a while's away a month and a half you can send guys down and bring other people up from the minor leagues to shake up the roster we've seen them do that with a couple guys but they don't even play luke and baker if that's what the idea was to to shake things up and just kind of bring some new life into the team you know jordan walker is playing a lot now deservedly so but they, they don't even give luke and baker a chance or The other option is they're going to do nothing and just hope that this all magically fix itself and get some moving in the right direction again. And I gave you the stats going back to last season. They've been playing like this for over half a season of baseball. For 86 games, they've been this bad. And for some reason in the offseason, when you had the time and you had the opportunity to shake things up, you didn't do enough to even send a, a tremor through the clubhouse. And the more we look at this stuff and the more I start, you know, adding up the pieces here, I'm starting to put less blame on Ali. And really, my finger is starting to point at John Mosellock and his decision making and the mistakes he's made and his inability to upgrade the starting rotation and to fix the bullpen. When I when I this offseason and I realized they weren't going to spend money on any of the shortstops, they weren't going to go that high and they weren't going after any of the starting pitchers. I'm like, well. How about we upgrade the bullpen then? Let's make a dominant bullpen. Let's go get like two or three arms and really, really make this thing something that's special. Nothing. Nothing was done. And for as much praise as we we give, or at least I give, I, I won't speak for you, but as I give him for, you know, trading for Nolan Arenado and Goldschmidt, which were great trades for the franchise, he's made multiple bad deals with Tampa Bay and Miami, although Libertor finally starting, you know, to make an impact at the major league level. And I've liked what I've seen from him so far, but not nearly the impact that Randy Rosarena is making in Tampa Bay. And he's made major mistakes with the free agent money that he's been allowed to spend. Fowler, Brett Cecil, uh, Andrew Miller, Steven Matz right now. 
I'm not ready to give up on Wilson Contreras yet. Uh, I think he's way better than what we've seen from him. And I hope he turns it around. But so far, not looking good. And I'll say that I'll say this as well before we, we move on. But the players aren't wrong here. You know, they've got to play better, obviously. But maybe just maybe the guys that are on this team right now aren't as good as Mo thought they were going to be. And that's where this decline is coming from. His inability to judge talent and to trust, you know, the arms that we're seeing in the minor leagues, you know, to, to stick with guys like Henesis Cabrera, who hasn't been very good, to give money to Giovanni Gallegos, who's, he's always been up and down, but it's been, you know, it's been a tough stretch for him right now. Um, Jojo Romero, you know, these guys that are just dudes and he relies on them instead of going out and getting guys that are established upgrades in the bullpen and any place on the field, you know, I'm not, I'm not just saying the bullpen, but you know, to trust into Alec Burleson that hasn't worked out. Juan Yepes has not worked out. You know, you've got a lot of guys that aren't making much of a difference at the major league level. And these are guys that Moselock chose to put his trust in and it's failed. So that's where I'm at with this, where I'm starting to start, you know, I'm really starting to think more like maybe Mo is the real problem in all of this. And maybe we should back up a little bit off of Ollie, but I'll leave that up to you. You let me know in the, in the comments down below what you think. I know you're going to put blame on everybody involved and that's fine. But if you had to choose Mo or Ollie, which one's, which one's the bigger problem here? That's what I want to hear from you about. We're going to get fan reactions to the demise of the Cardinals, plus a preview of this week in series in New York. We'll do that next here on Locked on Cardinals. Let's talk about bird dogs because bird dogs legitimately are my favorite shorts that I own right now. And this is not me just saying that. <laughs> it really isn't. I love them. They have stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. You don't have to get that baggy look. That's just not a thing anymore. Uh, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better because they aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton that just doesn't feel good, you know, that you're always adjusting and stuff. You want your shorts to move with your body, kind of like gym shorts do, right? Gym shorts, you can wear them around the house, you wear them in the yard, you can wear them anywhere and you feel great, right? That's the same thing with the bird dogs, except they look a heck of a lot nicer than gym shorts. They use a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get the waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They come in different lengths. I prefer the longer version. I don't like it when they get chopped off at mid-thigh. My dad used to wear that style. That's just not me. I like them to go down to the knee. Um, and they also have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And those are great in the summertime. You can wear them on the golf course. You can wear them out to lunch, to dinner, whatever you're doing. Shopping, it, they're perfect. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Enter the promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. The Cardinals are on the road against the Mets this weekend, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Uh, my everydayers, 
Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every single day. We love fan interaction. So let's see what's cooking here on the Twitter and YouTube comments. Again, I apologize for this coming out so late. And um, I ran really long in that first segment. So we're going to have to go through these quickly. Uh, Snips127 says, I think the Cardinals seriously need to consider selling at the deadline. This cannot go on. Play out the rest of the season with AAA players and start to build around the eventual core of Walker, Wynn, Graceffo, etc. We are long overdue for an organizational change and rebuild. Uh, thank you, Snips. And yesterday, I, it's funny that you bring that up. I'm talking with Sully from Locked On MLB yesterday, and I'm not sure if this was actually off the air or we did record this portion because Sully and I get talking and it takes forever. Uh, but we discussed between each other how sometimes you just need a crap year. Sometimes you just need that to kind of reset things. And the Cardinals have had so much success over the years that they've never had a down year where it was down enough that they just shouldn't even try to, to contend. Does that make sense? You know, where, where they, they've been low enough where it didn't make a lot of sense to go in and try to get to the playoffs and win a world series. Okay. Um, they're always competing for a division title. It seems, you know, and in a bad division, it's hard to, you know, be out of the race, but when you see an opportunity and your team starts to get older and there's a chance to rebuild, but you can't really do it because of the risk of upsetting all the fans for not trying enough, you know, it, it makes it tough. So you get a lot of the same players doing the same things without much turnover. And finally, it just kind of caught up with the team and, you know, the guys aren't performing up to par this year. They've admitted that. And it's forced the Cardinals to kind of look at this team in a different way. Uh, coming into the season, you knew you had Flaherty, Montgomery, Michaelis, and, White, and Wainwright, who were all set to be gone at the end of the year. Three of them free agents. Wainwright, I guess, free agent, but he's retiring. You know he's not coming back. So the Cardinals did what I thought was a smart move, was to lock up Michaelis. Okay? I, I like Miles Michaelis. I think he's a very good pitcher. Is he an ace? No, he's not. But he's a very good pitcher. So I was good with that move. But you really aren't sure on what you wanted to do with Flaherty or Monty, obviously, because they didn't try to extend them in spring training before the season started. You didn't know whether or not, do you want to keep these guys around? Do you not? But if you're in the playoff hunt, how do you trade them away? Like if the Cardinals were winning and they were in within like three games right now, you wouldn't even really be thinking about trading Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery away. You would be trying to keep them and add somebody to that rotation. Well, now you're kind of thinking the other way around. And then if you were still in that boat, in the pretend land where you're within like three games, at the end of the season, they leave in free agency, you get nothing to show for it. Now the path is a bit more clear and as bad as it stinks, the Cardinals are probably not going to be in the playoff hunt come to the trade deadline. And you can start doing something the Cardinals haven't done in quite a while, and that's actually trade-off pieces to gather prospects and younger players rather than trading prospects to go get an older playoff piece that you might use like they did with Quintana last year. Now, do you trust Mosellock to make the right moves and get maximum return on those guys or any players that he might be willing to part with at the deadline? Now, that's another issue. Sully and I discussed it in yesterday's crossover, and Sully emphatically said that he would not trust Mo considering the deals that he has made in recent years that have cost this franchise uh, an ALCS MVP and a Rosa Reina, uh, a Cy Young winner in Sandy Alcantara, and a Cy Young candidate this year 
in Zach Allen. Like, think about that for a second. The trade for Marcelo Zuna might have cost the Cardinals two Cy Young Award winners. Think about that for a minute. That's crazy. Uh, Aiden Fowler says Mike Schilt is looking at us with a smile on his face. Don't know why we changed when we were on a path going up. Uh, Aiden, thank you for the, the comment, but I know that that was kind of out of nowhere when it happened. He was a winner of the NL Manager of the Year Award, finalist for a second one, and then poof, he's gone. He's let go. Uh, the organization wanted to move into the more analytical direction. All right, that was their plan. They said, this is where we want to go with the franchise. Schilt wasn't on board with that. He didn't want to go that way. So they let him go. Philosophical differences. Schilt's not doing much over in San Diego either. Their team isn't faring much better. I know he's not the manager there, but that's a team that's underperforming as well. So, and Schilt hasn't been hired by anybody else, which I found a little bit odd considering he has won an NL Manager of the Year award and was a finalist for it. So I'm a little shocked that nobody has picked him up yet. But uh, his underperforming Padres uh, leads me into another underperforming team, and that's the New York Mets, who the team is going to play this week. And we'll talk about this series next on Locked on Cardinals. The Cardinals are in New York to face the Mets this weekend, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Uh, the Mets are arguably more disappointing than the Cardinals this season, despite having a better record. And that's because they have the highest payroll in baseball at $345 million, and they're not winning. They're paying pitchers Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander $43 million apiece this season. They're combined seven and five. Francisco Lindor making $34 million this year, and he's hitting 214. Now, his other numbers aren't so bad, but 214. Starling Marte is making close to $21 million this year. He's got just three home runs and 19 RBIs. Jeff McNeil won a batting title last year. His average has plummeted. I think he hit 329 last year. He's down to 273 now. Eduardo Escobar, a guy that I thought would be a nice fit for the Cardinals, switch hitter, could play a lot of positions, has been very underwhelming since getting to New York. Uh, the injuries have been a problem. Pete Alonso's out with a wrist issue now. Former Cardinal uh, Jose Quintana hasn't pitched this year due to the rib issues, which were unfortunate. Uh, star closer Edwin Diaz out after getting hurt at the WBC. I mean, they got a lot of issues, just like the Cardinals. So this weekend series could either be an entertaining one if they all kind of play where they should be playing, or it could be one of the most boring and dull series you've seen all season. I don't know what we're going to get. The Mets are 32 and 36. They've lost eight of their last 10. We know the Cardinals have been awful lately. Pitching matchups tonight, Michaelis against McGill. I'd give Michaelis the, I would lean toward him in this one. I, I would give him the, the the benefit of the doubt as the better pitcher here. Saturday afternoon, Wayno against Japanese import Kodai Senga and his uh, ghost forkball, which is apparently devastating. I haven't seen him really pitch at all this year, so I've just seen highlights. Um, I would imagine the Cardinals will have a tough time hitting him since they've never gone up against him before. And then Sunday afternoon, Matthew Libertor against Carlos Carrasco. I don't know what you're going to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping for more positive stuff for Matthew Libertor because I've liked what I've seen so far. You know, he, he's working through what is his, you know, rookie season in Major League Baseball again. Yeah, he's had a couple starts before, but I think he's kind of 
you know, solidified his spot in the rotation for the rest of the year. I don't know why you would take him out. But um, it's as good a weekend as any, right, to to, to get right. And I, I hope the Cardinals can do that. I hope they show some life in the Big Apple over the weekend. I really do. Thanks for making Lockdown Cardinals your first listen every day. Be sure to catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast this weekend against the Mets with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. Like and subscribe on YouTube. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.